We're glad you're here today. I'm telling you, man, what a powerful song. When you know the story, it means something different, doesn't it, Joel? Man, it means more. Those, those words that Horatio Spafford wrote that day, they actually came from an Old Testament book, the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a Shunammite woman um, that uh, receives news or, or, or experiences the sudden death of her only child. And, and in, in, in 2 Kings 4.26, we, we find her response because that scripture says, though her soul is vexed within her, she still maintains that it is well. Horatio Spafford was drawing on the story and remembering that verse in that Old Testament book of 2 Kings. And Spafford's song reveals a man whose trust is in the Lord, just as unwavering as that Shunammite woman's trust was as well. I don't know how I would react if I would have been Horatio and Anna Spafford. In fact, not many of us in this room can relate. Some of us can. I really don't know how, how I would react or respond in, in such overwhelming circumstances. But the Spaffords knew God was not the source of their trouble. They knew that Jesus was their hope in trouble. And it was in this moment that they received his grace to be able to respond so wondrously. That's a word for someone in this house today. Because you too find yourself wondering, maybe, how am I going to make it through? I'm telling you, the same Jesus that was with Horatio Gates Spafford on that boat that day. The same presence that was with this Shunammite woman in 2 Kings is the same Jesus that is with us in this house. Do you believe that? And he is enough to see us through. You see, we can also know this same grace that no matter what circumstances may shadow our life, we too can stand and sing. It is, it's well. I want you to know something today as we, as we dive into this and consider the words of the song and the story, the reason it was written. You know, God often does not save us from painful circumstances, but he sustains us in our painful circumstances. God often does not save us from the painful circumstances, but he sustains us in our painful circumstances. Pastor Paul Powell once said this, quote, Though God does not exempt us from suffering and he does not explain to us why our suffering comes, he does enter into our experiences with us and he helps us through them. God doesn't save us from trouble. He saves us in trouble. I think Pastor Paul is right. We could probably stand in this room and Many of you could declare and share time and time again how you found yourself maybe in a difficult circumstance or situation. And it was the grace of Jesus that saw you through it. 
And I know sometimes in the midst of, of adversity, it's, it's maybe hard for some of us to, to, to see Jesus in the midst of it. But, oh, I'm telling you, there's probably many of us that could tell the story. He was enough to see us through. Amen. You know, if you read scripture, which we would highly recommend, the Bible's good. You read the Bible and you're going to find time and time again, men and women of God that were faced with suffering. You know that, right? Because I call myself a Christian does not mean that I'm going to face or that I will not face adversity. In fact, it's quite the opposite. In John chapter 16, verse 33, I believe Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, we're going to face adversity. We're going to face suffering. We're just not going to live in that and let it determine who we are, or what, how we respond to that. Correct? The Bible is littered with people that faced good men and women of God that faced suffering, that faced struggle. Men, those of you that came on Wednesday night, you remember us looking at the story of Job? Read that book. You think your life stinks? Read the book of Job. And you see a man who endured to the end. Consider the case of three teenagers by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and they know it. Abednego. In Daniel chapter three, we read about these three friends, these three companions of Daniel who refused to worship the image of gold that was set up by, oh, a king that, that, that just maybe had a little pride issue. His name was King Nebuchadnezzar. These three brave lads refused to bow and because they refused to bow and not waver in their belief in the one true God, King Nebuchadnezzar threatened to throw them to a blazing fire to them that didn't matter. Because you see, they believed that their God was able, their God was, was, was more than capable to rescue them in the midst of that fire. And so King, we will refuse to bow, which of course just made the king so mad. In fact, he gives the orders to heat that furnace. How many times hotter? Seven times hotter. Commands the strongest of soldiers to toss Daniel's three friends into the flames. Great story. And as the king stood that day and others in his kingdom were, were observing what should have been an, an instant incineration, he was startled as you would have been also when he looked in and he saw something unusual. In fact, he exclaimed, he, he, he said this in Daniel 3.25, I see four men unbound. Guys, didn't we throw three in? Didn't we tie them up? But I see four unbound. They're walking around in the fire unharmed. The original flame walkers, fire walkers. And the fourth King Nebuchadnezzar declares looks like a God. The king then commanded the three to come out of the flames. Hey, you guys come out of there. You're having too much fun. Seeing that they were completely unharmed, Nebuchadnezzar declares in verse 28, he says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. 
Now listen, of course, if, if, if God had wanted to here in Daniel chapter 3, don't you think he could have certainly intervened early on and prevented these three teenagers from, from being thrown into that furnace? Don't you believe God could do that? Absolutely. But he chose not to. He chose not to do this. He allowed these three teenagers to be mistreated, but he did not allow them to go through the ordeal alone. Where was he? With them. In the midst of the fire. Indeed, God did send his angel that day. God was with them. Perhaps it was the angel of the Lord. Theologians interpret this maybe to be the pre-incarnate appearance of, of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of the flames, he was there to sustain them. This story illustrates my point that, that, that God often does not exempt his children from suffering, but yet he sustains them in the suffering. Hey, you need to know something. As God's children, we are never alone in our trials. You're not. And whatever that is that maybe you're dealing with today, whatever you're facing, you need to know you are not alone. Can I tell you some more instances in scripture? I, I like the Bible. I read it. Do you? You ought to. Scripture is brimming with example after example. For instance, in Genesis chapter 16, God did not prevent Hagar from being mistreated by Sarah, but yet he was with her in the time of her suffering. A few chapters later in Genesis chapter 27 through 50. Oh, you know, many of you know this story about a young man that had a coat of many colors. His name was Joseph. God didn't keep Joseph from being sold into slavery by his own brothers. Listen, I'm sure that there was an instance in which my brother wished he could have sold me into slavery, but he didn't. Yet even in the midst of being sold into slavery, taken to Egypt, God was with Joseph in the midst of those unfair circumstances. In Hebrews, we read a, a, a scripture that talks about Moses in the Old Testament and how God did not keep Moses from being mistreated by the Egyptians, but yet he was with Moses in his trials. First Samuel chapter 19, God did not keep David from being severely persecuted by Saul, but God did sustain and he did rescue David in the midst of these persecutions. Daniel chapter six, this same Daniel, friends of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, in Daniel chapter six, Daniel finds himself in a pickle, doesn't he? He finds himself being, being thrown into a lion's den, but I'm telling you, God was with Daniel in the midst of that lion's den. <laughs> Read in the New Testament in, in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and you're gonna read about a man by the name of, of Paul whose life was easy all the time, wasn't it? No. We find how God did not keep even the apostle Paul from, from going to jail. But yet you'll read that God was with Paul in those jail experiences. Even John the book of Revelation finds himself exiled on an island of Patmos. But oh man, we know the words that John the Revelator penned as the Holy Spirit of God began to speak into his life. You see, God was even with John in the midst of exile. I'm telling you, 
no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're going through, you can count and and rest on this. Jesus is there with you. It seems obvious that to me that that, that God's pattern is, is often to save in, not from. This means that, that you and I may, may not be exempt from trials, but, but we can be sure that God is with us through all of them. In fact, this, this apostle Paul that, that, that was a jailbird whose life was threatened on a daily basis, who probably suffered many beatings, He writes in Philippians 3.10, listen what he says. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I like that part of the verse. But look what he goes on to say. But I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul is talking about this magnificent obsession of his whole life in Christ. He says, says, I want to know Christ. I want to, to experience the power of his resurrection. You see this Christian with a restless heart. I want to enjoy the the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He wants to have this deep and and real conscious sense of of God's presence. Men, men, listen, on Wednesday nights, by the way, we meet at seven o'clock and it's just man time. I'm challenging men what it means to be a godly man. And we talked about this. One of the things that real men do is they practice the presence. You see, Paul understood and knew that Jesus was not just with him on Sunday mornings at 11 11 o'clock when he was in church. You see, Paul knew that just as he was going through times of of suffering and persecution, whether that be in jail or on the run for people out after him, the presence of God was with him. He longed for the presence. He knew that Jesus was there with him and that helped him move throughout his day. That's a good word for someone. Jesus is not just regulated to your life during that five minutes that you spend with him before you head off to work each day in quiet time. But he's with you in the midst of making decisions for your company. He's with you, moms, in the midst of kids screaming their lungs out at Walmarts. He's in the midst of life with you, students through persecution, bullying, difficulties that maybe you face on your school campus, the presence is with us. Am I making sense to anybody today? You better talk back to me or we'll stay forever. You guys are already sleepy. You forgot to move your clocks. I know. Some of you are normally nine o'clock people here, but that's all right. As I'm reading this passage of scripture, man, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I, I want this. I, I, I definitely want to experience the, the mighty power that, that raised Christ from the dead. But it's this next phrase that, that says, I, I want to suffer with him. Sharing in it. Who, who, who asked for that? Who, who prays? For, when's the last time you prayed, Lord, would you please just let me suffer? I've prayed that on people. <laughs> just kidding. You have. I know. Oh, Lord, would you just get them? Mm. You have, don't be acting all spiritual. None of us pray, Lord, just bring the suffering. None of us do. 
No one wants to go through the difficulties of life. No one wants to face the suffering. No one wants to face the trials and tribulations. We want it always to be easy. But I'm telling you, even Jesus knows there's no Easter before Good Friday. Sometimes the struggle must come. The pain and agony. But friend, make no mistake about it. He's there with you. Bucky, you with me? He's with you in the midst of it. He's there. I got a little put out this week. Is that all right for a pastor to get ticked off a little bit? I got a little ticked off. I did. You guys think that we as pastors, we're all just smiling all the time and nothing ever gets to us, right? Well, I got, I got a little perturbed this week at people, people. I'm called to minister to people, but I got put out with people this week. People griping about the rain. So thick of the clouds in this rain. Where's, where's the sunshine? Hey, you call me when it's 100 in August and you're looking for it. Just need some water from heaven, Lord, please. And remind you what you said in February, March. Some of you torqued off right now because it's wet and messed your dew up on the way to church this morning. That's why I just shave it. Just shave that mess off and you won't have any worries, all right? People just griping about the rain tired of it. It's dreary and it's rainy and my car's dirty. It's filthy. First world problems. <laughs> When's the sun going to shine? As I was thinking about complaining people this week and as I, as I was thinking about where we were going today, you know, the more it rains in your life, the greener you get spiritually. That'll preach. Tweet that mess. That'll preach. NTC, that'll preach. Somebody put that up right now. Isn't that true? Just as it rains and it replenishes the earth and things will sprout green and weeds. I love weeds. Weeds. I don't love weed. I love weeds. My youth pastor from Colorado is pointing at me going, no. Everything's growing. My tree's blooming. My wife's taking pictures and putting it out on the World Wide Web. Things, rain makes things grow, doesn't it? You ever thought about it, that in your life, maybe you're going through a season of rain or a storm. Maybe there's some clouds. And I'm telling you, maybe that's just God's way of greening you up a little bit spiritually. Come on. Sometimes that rain comes. It's what rain does, doesn't it? Rain greens things, Rain's, rain makes things grow. And that pain maybe that you're experiencing right now, that suffering that maybe you're going through right now, I'm telling you, that could possibly be God's way of greening you, of greening you. You might need to know that right now because it may be raining in your life. You may be going through a very long, stormy time in your life. You may have even declared this week, I just wish the clouds in my life would just break and part. Some of you feel like Eeyore and you got that cloud just constantly over you and you're longing for the clouds to break and for the sun to come. Maybe it's been so long since you've seen the sun come through the clouds. It will. But don't lose the beauty of the rain. You know, when the opposite of, of rain is sun and heat and scorching temperatures and whatever. I, I think of Saudi Arabia. I mean, it almost never rains there. That's not good. 
I remember hearing someone say one time that all sunshine makes a desert. What would a life without rain look like? That's a desert. The most precious moments in in your relationship with Jesus Christ, some of the most precious moments in my relationship with Christ come when the clouds are covering the sun. And when your resources can't do a thing about that need that you're experiencing, when there is no one that seems to understand, those are the times when when sometimes the only thing we can do is just collapse into the arms of Jesus. I think that's what Horatio Spafford, that's the only thing he had that day, was just to fall into the arms of Jesus. As he sailed across that very spot, where his family lost their lives. Maybe you're going through a particularly hard time. What's the result? I'm gonna guess if you're anything like me, it's, it seems like whenever I face difficulties in life, I begin to pray more and more. Anybody with me? Man, isn't it funny how our prayer life intensifies whenever we're facing difficulties, but yet we, we don't even think to acknowledge or thank the Lord when times are good. And for some of us right now in this stormy, tumultuous season of life, your, your prayer life is probably intensified. And, and, and regardless of, uh, uh, of, of what you're facing, can I just tell you something? Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced difficulties, just as Paul faced difficulties, just as the Shunammite woman faced difficulties, just as Horatio and Anna Spafford faced difficulties. I'm telling you, God is walking right beside you just as he walked beside them. And regardless of what you're facing, there is a supernatural tranquility of peace that is available to you. It's yours for the taking. And it's Jesus Christ. And you'll just have to reach out and and cast yourself on him and his promises. You know his promises. You quote them time and time again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future, right? And my God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We know those things. We quote those things. But do we really hang on to those things in the midst of difficulties? Friends, sometimes that's all we have, isn't it? It's the promises of God. The apostle Paul goes on to tell us in Philippians chapter four, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Do you do that? Do you do that? We're quick to blame God when things don't go right, but do you thank him? Come on. Let's just thank the Lord more. Let's just thank him for what he's done. That's what Paul says. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Which brings me to another example, Jesus. Jesus was fully God, but just as we sang in that song, he was also fully man. Do you think Jesus faced any adversity or difficulties? In fact, scripture, the the Old Testament prophets spoke of it. 
They predicted that Jesus would face difficulties. Jesus himself was a man of sorrows, scripture says. He was acquainted with grief. Hey, listen, Jesus knows the kind of pain that you're going through. Hebrews calls him our sympathetic high priest. Listen, he is always right there with you. He's right by your side through every trial that you'll encounter. Friends, listen, trust him. Hold on to Jesus. He may be the only life preserver you have today, but here's what I know. He will help you. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. 